What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vunt. I'm Emily Van Vunt. And uh, we are back to talk about uh, some some meaty games this week. We're talking about Food Chain Magnate later. Um, we're talking about Thunderstone, which we played for the first time later. Uh, later on the show, main topics going to be games that we had, that we liked, that aren't in our collection anymore, that couldn't stand the test of time. And we'll dig into why um, why those games just didn't have the longevity for us. Uh, before we do that, though, just wanted to remind you of where you can find the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tabletop for Two for any of those, and follow us on there. We would certainly appreciate that. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play Music or any other podcatcher that you use. And we now have a BGG Guild uh, number twenty six twenty three. So definitely cruise on by there. Um, I'd love to see the membership for that build up a little bit and to get some discussion going inside that guild right there. So let's kick it off with a game that uh we've been meaning to get to the table for a while um we just it's didn't just have the been time a taxing because you know life and whatnot well i mean we knew it was a game that we needed to set us that we needed to set aside a good two to three hours to play uh this is food chain magnate by splatter spelling now we played the intro game a few months back um which didn't take very long at all because it's purposely short. And then we played the full game uh, for the first time last week. Now, we're probably going to spend some time on this because there's a lot to to go through with this game because uh, it's quite a big, uh, quite an endeavor. Uh, for those that don't know, Food Chain Magnate is a game where you are playing as competing restaurateurs, uh, fast food restaurant owners, uh, and you're basically spending your turns hiring um, cooking food and cer- and filling the demand of the customers that are in the neighborhoods around your store. We had a really weird board setup this time. We did. Though. That was I think that was part of the problem because we kind of well, yeah. we were trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And and there's all sorts of people you can hire. Um, you can hire other managers to manage other associates. You can hire HR people. Well, you have people. to if yeah. you want to build up your staff because right. you start off with your CEO and then you can only have three people under you. So you have to hire other managers in mm-hmm. order to have you more have, people. Yeah, because every turn you kind of lay out the cards you want the the people you want to use that turn in like a pyramid setup. Essentially, um, you also have HR people that can hire folks and train folks. Um, you have cooks that'll cook food. You have drink runners Which that can go pizza or burgers, mm-hmm. and you have drink runners that can go collect your supply of drinks and it's for what, you. Lemonade and beer, mm-hmm. and and um <laughs> and uh, uh, cola as is well. There soda too. Yeah, there okay. is. Um, there's marketers that you send out to there was beer. initiate marketing campaigns, um, which is, which creates the demand. So there's all these interlocking parts. Um, that work together that you have to best take advantage of as you go. You also have to worry about paying salaries for some of your more experienced employees, um, whether you use them or not, which is which is another challenging balancing act that you have but to deal with. But it helps because there's the milestone board where yes. if you hit certain things, if you do something for the first time... If you, you're the first one to do it. R- right. You get to... Um, you get a you bonus, get that bonus yeah, for like, the rest of the and game. And like for this particular game i got the bonus where i got 15 dollars of salary paid out right mm-hmm. you know up front each turn so that, that you don't have to worry about that helped a lot when i was trying to get my engine going right so and and the thing this is our first splatter game and and for those that aren't familiar with splatter spelling games they are notoriously known for being very demanding very very uh very heavy and very 
absent of luck. You make your, like, everything that happens in the game is your own doing, and it's one of those games that if you misstep on the first couple of turns, you can put yourself in a position that you could conceivably not recover from. So it's not it's not a game for the faint of heart. There's no catch up me- mechanism. There's no there's no easy mode. There's no it, it it's a very difficult game, and it takes it, it takes knowing that going into it to understand what you're getting into because it can turn folks off very quickly. Even game, gamers that like heavy games, I know there's some that don't like splatter spelling games just because they're so demanding and and they don't find them fun and expensive. And they're well, yeah, they're expensive too because they're all produced in these very small print runs. See, he told me that he ordered his game. What he failed to tell me was how much he spent <laughs> on this game. <laughs> uh, I spent less than some people have to acquire it. I'll put it that way. Because we have a deal. If it's un- if it's 50 or under, he doesn't have to tell me about it. If it's over that, we need to discuss it. <laughs> well, someone did not discuss this $100 purchase. Hey, I, at least uh, what did I tell you, though, that if we, for some reason, didn't like it, I guaranteed that we'd be able to get that much back in resale value. So we played this for the first time. Um, it went very interestingly. It's it's one of those games that it definitely takes a couple plays, I think, to really wrap your head around what you want to do in the game. And also the way the, the map is set up at the beginning of the game, like Emily alluded to earlier, uh, makes a huge difference as far as where your restaurant is and located. Like ours <laughs> basically had a third of the board cut off. Yes. Yeah. The whole bottom third of the board was very difficult to, like you couldn't, to get you to. You just couldn't get there. Right, so that that was a bit of a challenge there. Even tighten the map up that much more. So in the game that we played, um, I actually kind of ran away with the victory. I think uh, the a round or two before it would have ended, Emily just kind of conceded because it was pretty clear that there was no way that she was gonna she was gonna get back into it. I just couldn't get it going. Right, and, and one like I said, it's 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 a difficult thing to kind of see how the engine works the first time through. It's a really tough game. But I purposefully obviously it clicked with you. It didn't quite click with me. Well, I purposefully didn't ask you your thoughts on the game. You like your deep thoughts on the game Um, because I wanted to wait for the show because I was curious to see what you were what you thought about it as we went. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I was pissed and not in a good way. Well, you were a little grumpy (laughs) that night anyway, and then that probably wasn't the best game to put out on the table. (laughs) I was a little grumpy that night. Yeah, you were. Oh lordy, um. It's very, uh, it, it was very brain drainy for me. Mm-hmm. I I really did. I I thought I got it when we first played like the introductory game, but I guess I didn't quite get it with and with the milestones. Well, and everything, the, mile, the milestones. Are I think huge. that's what it was. Is like I wasn't focusing enough on milestones, mm-hmm. and you were just like knocking them out left and right. Yeah. And I probably should have focused more on that. I was trying to actually build up my team and try and get things moving mm. but once you got that one where you got the eternal marketing, um, marketing yeah. then i was screwed yeah the 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 milestones in the intro game you don't play with those and they are huge and so much so that i i feel like that the the right way to strategize in that game is to kind of is to kind of look at what milestones you want to chase and your first couple turns um get yourself set up to get those basically and and that way, because like I had the freezer milestone, so I could store food from round to round, which is helpful because that means I that meant I had a ton of food to give out to houses that needed it um, as the game went along. As Em said, I I did marketing first, so that when now whenever my guys do marketing, normally the marketing campaigns only last a certain number of turns. Well, my campaigns lasted forever, so I was able to easily. Um, plan what I needed to get in order to serve the different restaurants. And, you know, those milestones make an absolutely huge difference 
Um, and I think I'll even pay more attention to the ones that I'm trying to chase as as I go through the game next time we play. Well, like I said, well. now now the next time I understand a little more, maybe I'll do better because I did real crappy this time. Mm-hmm. So, but and you, you're absolutely right. Like I just kind of threw in the towel there. I'm just like. Well, I mean, it was it was it, it was I'm, pretty I'm obvious done. that it wasn't that it wasn't going to happen for you. I think I, I think I think if for one more turn, I would have I would have broken the bank basically, and and, Obi and finished wants to it say off. hi to all of yeah. our listeners. So, but what did you? But did you like the game? Like, did you enjoy it? Did you like the puzzle? I did. You know, I enjoy a good puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like I said, I think the fact that our map was jacked up did not help things whatsoever. Yeah, there's there's a variant that um that the guys I believe it's the guys at Heavy Cardboard um suggested that they use when they play two players, mm-hmm. where instead of randomly setting up the map tiles, you actually deal each other a hand. Like the center, you put a center tile out there randomly, mm-hmm. and then you take turns like drafting tiles and and you place them on the board where you want to. To build the map, I think that might be better because it'll give it, it gives you more control and even further takes any sort of randomness randomness out of the game. Right. Uh, so that might be a better solution just to make sure because you're right because like because you're absolutely right that a whole a whole street on the map that had like you three houses could, on it, it had could no not access. Yeah. The no only the only way that you could get there is if you built a restaurant down there essentially right. later in the game. So so but yeah, I, I like I said I wasn't sure what you thought because I know you were getting. Wax pretty bad, and I know sometimes that doesn't uh, lend a favorable impression. And apparently, I was grumpy, so getting beat on top of being grumpy <laughs> is just the worst. But you'd like to play it again? Yes, I will play it again. Excellent. Is is it likely to stay? That's a, that's a good question too. That depends. That depends. We'll, we'll see how it goes okay. next time. Interesting. So I liked it a lot. I, well I thought said, it was a good time. I got it. It's it's one of those things. Okay, so when I'm looking at a game and I'm trying to decide, mm-hmm. are we going to keep this? Are we going to not? It's usually, am I going to get better at this game to where mm-hmm. I can actually win once in a while or not? Because if I'm never going to win, then I'm not going to have any fun. Well, it's not even about winning. It's about <laughs> I mean, as long as you're enjoying the play, it doesn't really matter if you win or in a not. While, yeah, it's, you know winning's I mean? overrated. I don't want to lose all the time. We, I say I'm it, not you. <laughs> I say as uh, I say as. We're caught thirty as crap with each other in games. <laughs> um, I like I said I found it fascinating. Um, we don't really have a game. I do quite like love it. the fact that your uh, player aid is a menu. Mm-hmm. I think that's the coolest thing. Well, I like I like all the art in the game. I like the very fifties style, um, you know, art style in the game, which is I think is very cool. Mm-hmm. And and all the fonts and stuff like that. So that's that's very nifty. Um, so you hated the paper money. You want to switch the chips? I hate the paper. Next money. time, it's so fiddly. I didn't mind it as much with this game because you're not handling it as frequently. But I could you see weren't. Where, well, no, you mean you weren't handling it as frequently. So, be yeah, a food chain magnate. <clears throat> not for the faint at heart. Um, but it like I said, I I thought it was fascinating. We'll see if M. Uh, M digs it enough for us to keep it around. If not, then we'll have a very expensive food chain magnet going up on uh, either a trade list or uh, or a geek market sale uh, at some oh, point geez. here. We'll see. Don't put that evil on me. <laughs> I mean, if you don't like it, it's okay. We're we're gonna talk about games that we liked and and didn't uh, that didn't hang around later. So oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah well. Um, next on our list is Thunderstone Towers of Ruin. Uh, first of all. This I came home from work one day. This box is sitting on the table. I sat down to 
like pay bills or something mm-hmm. and the box is staring at me there's like this evil looking <laughs> demon creature with red eyes staring at me and it freaked me out <laughs> so i was just like oh jesus christ i was like what is he buying for us to play um it's actually fun oh you liked I, it okay i, I wasn't it. sure that wasn't that wasn't clear when we were playing you kind of you kind of no sold the reaction well, on there because i was i was i was thinking really hard yeah so so thunderstone um is a deck builder that we somehow like we love deck builders, but we somehow just didn't come across it. Probably because it's out of print and hard to find and expensive. No, we have two. Yeah, I somehow I managed to get two sets. One of them in a math trade, and one of them I got a good deal on on a price on a on a on a secondhand copy. So, um, so like so we play Towers Ruin. Thunderstone is um, you. I don't want to even say it's unique. From, well, it is unique in some respects from other deck builders because you have heroes and you have weapons that you can equip those heroes with. Yeah. And and you have, have my dwarf with his dwarf axe. Yeah. yeah. And when it's your turn, you only get to do one action. You can either go to the village and get supplies and recruit new heroes. Um, you can go to the dungeon to try to fight monsters. Um, you can... What is it? You can prepare for the next turn by putting a certain number of cards on top of your deck and then discarding the rest of your hand, or you can remove one card from your deck, <clears throat> but then that's your entire turn. So and you can upgrade people too. Well, that's the cool thing. So when you beat when you beat monsters, um, you gain experience points, and then you, you can spend them. Thunderstones. Well, thunderstone shards, but they're XP, <laughs> and then you can you can spend them uh, in order to like level up your heroes, basically. So it, at in each game, there's four classes of heroes that are available um levels one two and three and also you start with some level zero ones as well and as you level them up they'll obviously get better abilities that you when you play them out of your deck um you're trying to kill monsters that's the name of the game um, because they give you experience points they also go in your deck and they're worth gold um to purchase things later on as they cycle through uh you're gonna keep playing until you find the thunderstone bearer um who is like the big boss guy uh once he is killed or once he escapes (laughs) the game ends um, and then whoever has the most points of worth of monsters so, wins the game. Funny little story. He's saying Thunderstone Bearer, <laughs> but I hear Thunderstone Bear. So I'm looking for this card with a giant bear. <laughs> Wait, on you it. really were? I thought I thought you were joking when you said that. <laughs> I'm totally not joking. <laughs> so you literally thought we were looking for the Thunderstone we were Bear, a bear that had the thunderstone and i really thought i'm looking i'm like and then it comes down i was like that's not a bear see because i said thunder, and then i, look I at was the saying card and it says bearer and i was like Jesus well i was Christ. saying i was saying thunderstone bear as a joke because <laughs> i thought it was funny because you know when you say bear fast it just sounds like bear well guess what <laughs> your wife actually thought it was a bear <laughs> maybe i'll write into ag if they were making other thunderstones instead i'll suggest a, a thunderstone bear as the <laughs> As a Thunderstone bearer. Um, so this one was, uh, I, I'd always heard good things. And we had played a deck building game many years ago called Heroes of Metro City, which was loosely inspired atrocity. by Thunderstone. Um, it, well, it was, it was an atrocity because the game was I, terrible. I said Heroes of Metrocity. Right, but it was an atrocity because the game was awful. It was awful. Um, and, and the it was coolest kind of, part about it was you got to name your hero. Right, but that was about the extent of the customization. And... <laughs> It it drew heavily from Thunderstone, um, so I never because of we had such a poor experience with that game. I never wanted to go back and check out Thunderstone, but I kept hearing reviews of how Thunderstone was really freaking good. So I'm I'm glad that we got it. I did enjoy it. Um, it manages to feel unique amongst our other deck building games, which is not an easy thing to do. 
because mm. we have quite a few of them. Now, we love our deck builders. Now, we have not tried the recommended uh, Epic variant, which I've heard Epic Thunderstone is, quote-unquote, the only way to play. Um, so what we'll have the to, hell does that Apparently, mean? in Epic Thunderstone, you, like, shuffle all the cards. Like, all the weapons get shuffled together. Instead of having just only four weapons to choose from or whatever, all of them get shuffled together. And you'll go through them as as oh, you go as you go through slowly, and like instead of like only having a couple monsters to choose from, all of them get shuffled, and you only use certain ones. So it's uh, it's just it's basically just a way to keep the to have like a ton of variety in the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to check that out when we get a chance. Okay. Um, but yeah, Thunderstone was good. I I was I was sure that M did not like it based on how she was reacting while we were playing because you seemed kind of uh. Not bored, but you didn't seem very engaged. It wasn't that I was bored. I was frustrated because I felt like every time I had money, I had just barely not enough to get the thing that I really wanted or I didn't have, I couldn't get Thunderstones and I couldn't get enough stuff to kill the guys and Mm. it was, yeah, frustrating. You are... You're tricky to read sometimes with that because sometimes, like, sometimes you're frustrated with a smile on your face, and I know you're having a good time. But sometimes you look angry, and I'm just like, "Oh man, she's really not digging this." I wasn't sure what you'd say coming on the show today. So, well, then again, this is the same face that you thought wouldn't want to play Trajan, and now it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So there you go. So the, les- the lesson is always just buy it and force you to play it. No, so- the lesson is always is your wife. Is a mystery and always will be to you wrapped in, in certain enigma, aspects. Wrapped in a conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one that I know you liked for sure uh, was. It's always a winner if I start making sound effects. <laughs> well, it was, the, it was uh, Downfall of Pompeii we got, uh, we got recently. I was disappointed in the crappiness of the volcano though. well you thought you were gonna get like a plastic molded volcano you made me think that i was getting a plastic i thought volcano. it was going to be because it described I mean, it well, described hey, itself as being a plastic hey, volcano hey, it is a plastic volcano just not a nice plastic volcano well that's it's like a little cone that you put around the dog when he gets neutered well that <laughs> it still serves its purpose very well i don't remember what i traded to get this i traded something but i can't remember what it was um downfall anyway, pompeii back to, back to business here it is a what would you call it would you call it like a i wouldn't call it's not worker placement it's not area it kind of is area control in some it's, ways um i don't know how to classify it it's a euro game that's how to classify it um, it was designed by Klaus Jürgen Vreda, who is uh, most famously known, of course, for Carcassonne. Um, in this one, the game kind of... Which we never play anymore. Which we never play anymore. That's okay. <laughs> so it, 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 it's still working We only play it with noobs. Yeah. Um, Downfall Pompeii, it takes place in two distinct halves. The first half of the game, um, you're playing these cards to get your people into different buildings in the city of Pompeii. Um, you're trying to occupy as many of those buildings as you can, get as many of your people into the city as possible. Um, and strategically placed as well. You want them to be placed close as close to, to the, the exits. exits, yes, because of, there's two. Um, uh, there are two eruption cards. cards. Yeah, yes. and when you draw the second one, all of a sudden the game stops from being like a placement game and, and turns into run for game. run for your life because well, the volcano is coming. It does game. become a tile lane game, where on your turn you draw a tile out, you place it on the board based on um, one of six symbols it'll have, um, and that corresponds to areas on the board. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what you do is if you place it on a space that has people on it that are trying to flee, 
they die um, and because they get killed by the volcano. And then you get to move some of your which guys is, tr- to try to get them out of town. I was having fun because I kept killing his people and I'd snatch them up and I'd hold them all over the volcano and go. <laughs> <laughs> and I made him do it, too. So and then begrudgingly uh, he did it. And then once uh once the town is is fully Engulfed devoid of people for, for one way or the other, um whoever has the most people escape wins. And if you're tied, which of naturally we were, um whoever has the fewest folks that died from the volcano um wins the game in that regard. I really enjoyed this game. I wasn't sure what to think. Um because I was afraid that it'd be too light, but it actually has a really solid amount of Decision making and fun and a lot of screwage, which we like, oh, yeah. which worked for us. Um, and it was good. I really I liked downfall. Killing your people. I'm sure you did. I'm sure that was your favorite part. <laughs> I mean, that's the strategy when you start. <clears throat> excuse me. When you start laying out the tiles, the volcano tiles. Obviously, you're trying to lay them in such a way to inconvenience your opponent, but not inconvenience yourself because you can try to block people in. You can try well, to block. I exits. did sacrifice a few of my people for the greater good. All right, and you ended so. up winning, so it ended up working out okay for you. But yeah, like I said, I wasn't sure. I know the game, um, it's not old, but it's older, um, and it's. I was just worried that it would be way too light for us. But uh, but no, it, it it's a great power filler. Um, we played it in, what, 30 minutes, give or take? Roughly. Yeah, I know, and like I said, I know you liked it, because... <laughs> Like I said, if I start making sound effects, that's usually a good sign. Well, it's also got the tolling and it's got the uh, the card play and, and and that kind of stuff. And in- that and how many times have I had to watch Night at the Museum three, where they get stuck in Pompeii and it's like, yep, whop. and it's like, oh, never mind, it's Pompeii. <laughs> yeah, our son, our son loves the Night, Night at the Museum, Museum movies for for whatever oh my reason. God. For whatever reason, so yep. he, so we we've watched those more times than I care to count. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Downfall Pompeii, check it out when you get a chance. Great little uh, power filler. Um, I you won't be disappointed. It's, and it's don't a good... to get to make the when you throw them in a volcano. That's Morbid. the best. Part. Whatever. <laughs> um, la- sorry. Um, seventh hero is next on our list. Um, mm. when I don't remember when we got this. It's At the recently. same time we got Downfall Pompeii. Was it came it? with it, yeah. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what I dealt, but I got these two games in return. This for is another it. power filler for us. Yeah, it's um. <laughs> so in this game, you have a hand of cards, and you're trying to build a tableau of heroes. And there's seven different heroes um, that are numbered one through seven. And it's the goal also is a bluffing game. Too. It is. Blu- it's very much a bluffing game because because <clears throat> the goal of the game is to have six of the seven heroes in front of you. Right. Okay. And on your turn... Um, you flip a card in the middle right. to let you know what you have to do that turn. Well, there's a quest that you have to right. go on. And the quest usually, you know, you know, send a hero of Odd an even numbers, number... even numbers, blah, less blah, Less than blah. three, right, greater exactly. than, etc. And the other player has to take a hero out of their hand that matches the, the quest and send it to them, send it to the other player face down whose turn it is. And th- that player has the option to either recruit the hero or to send it back, basically. Now, the trick is here is that if you get two heroes of the same number, one of them is an imposter, and they kill each other. <laughs> so you, so basically, if you had a card in front of you, um, and if you have a four in front of you and your opponent sends you another four and you attempt to recruit it, then they'll kill each other and now you don't have a four So anymore. again, the Scrooge factor is there yeah. that we love. But like I said, for, for a game that you can play with two players, like, bluffing games don't tend to work so well with two players. But because the rules of the bluff are defined on the card that you draw, 
and not necessarily with what you know card you're playing. So like if I if the card says hey even number card you have to play it and I send M a you know a two and she has a two and a six in front of her she knows there's a one in three chance that it's the four that she needs but how how worth it is that to Yep. To take that in. And then your heroes, um, the ones in front of you also, each hero has a special ability that you can activate one time with that hero, um, which can help you manipulate uh, the cards that you send or the cards that you receive in different ways. Like there's one that lets you kill the incoming hero. So if it's something that you think that you already have, you can just discard it without any effect, that sort of thing. Um, I, I was, again, pleasantly surprised. I wasn't sure what to expect from this game. Um, and it was actually a lot of fun. We actually played it twice in a row the mm-hmm. first time that we played it because we had that much fun of a time. And I think you won both times, both times, which makes me sad. But yeah, seventh year, really good. Um, again, power filler category. You can play it in about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's very enjoyable. And if you're looking for a good game uh, that has bluffing uh, for two players, then this is a great choice. And I think you should check it out. Yep. Last but not least, um, game we're not going to spend too much time on. We've talked about Ticket to Ride before, um, a game that we like very much, but a game that doesn't really work well with two players. Well, there is a map that does work well with two players in expansion. It's Ticket to Ride Nordic Countries, um, which is a Ticket to Ride based in Scandinavia, of course, and it's a very much tighter map um, with much tighter routes. I enjoyed the extra little things in this one as well. Too. Yeah, this one added um, a couple new wrinkles. Uh, first of all, it did away with the locomotive rule, so you can take as many locomotives that are face-up as you want to. The reason why you can do that is because you have these ferries that you can play. And you have to spend locomotives in addition to the number of colored cards. Right, and in order to cross rivers. And then you have tunnels, which are routes that you don't know exactly how long they'll be when you play them. So you have to have at least the number, like if it's a three blue, you have to have at least three blue cards, and then you draw three cards from the top of the draw deck. If there's any blue cards or wild cards in that draw, then you have to add blue cards from your hand in order Brad to make up the difference. On that one. I did very much. I did very much. And um, I think I, that was part of why you lost. You absolutely. Well, because I mean, because it's essentially it's essentially a wasted turn if yeah. you if you don't get the tunnel successfully. And the rest of it plays just like ticket to ride. Um, you know, you keep going until someone gets close to running out of trains, and then you tally up uh, all your routes and stuff like that. Whoever wins. Um, I I enjoyed the tightness of the map. Uh, it didn't affect me as much as it affected you. You said I had one of your uh, one of your areas blocked yeah, off almost you, as soon as the game you started. Had it all bungled up for me. I mm-hmm. had to really work my way around to get there. Yeah, but this—I mean—that was my big point route too. Yeah, but we never, um, we never play Ticket to Ride just us anymore. Um, yeah, just because we only the, play the with U.S. Friends. the U.S. map is too freaking ginormous to oh, yeah. to really get a good two-player game going unless you both happen to all draw, all, you know, draw nothing but route cards on the same coast. Basically, um, we save that for when friends come over. But this one I could see playing. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it worked out really well. Um, and that's all it needed was a smaller map. Uh, the extra wrinkles are a nice touch as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ticket to Ride Nordic Countries. Uh, if you if you primarily play with two or three it can go up to three players as well then this is a great get um if you're looking to just make it a little bit more competitive yeah and competitive too uh for ticket to ride very good choice here so that's uh that's the new stuff we've been playing uh we'll take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about games that have not been able to stay in our collection even though we like them and we'll talk about why that is so hang on for a sec So the main topic this week, I thought it would be 
interesting to kind of just look back at some games that we that we had, and and these are games that we really liked, um, and that for one reason or another did not stay in our collection. Now, when I made this list, I tried to avoid stuff that we just weren't playing. Like we've gotten rid of a lot of games just because we weren't playing them and couldn't see going back and playing them anymore. Um, the games on this list are ones that we actively said, "Do we need to keep this game?" no, we don't, and here's why kind of deal. Well, and, like, the first one on the list here, I can distinctly remember playing said game, mm. and we get about halfway through, and I'm just like, this is boring. Well, let's dig right in. I mean, the, the first, so the first game on the list for us is Alien Frontiers, and when we got Alien Frontiers... Loved it. We loved it. I mean, that like, when I say loved it, like, that was, like, a top ten game for us. It was... It we was, played it a lot. Right, we played it a lot, it was really clever. Um, dice worker placement mm-hmm. had some special powers you could earn. We got the factions expansion, um, which added some more things to the game, and and it and it really was a great game. Like we played it all the time. And then, like I said, one day we were playing it, and I felt like that we just kind of we were going through the motions, going through the motions, and I, and to some extent, I felt like that I kind of like we kind of figured it out. Like there's certain things you can do in that game that are really exploitable. Like the best course of action kind of thing, right? And and it, especially in a lower player count game where there's less competition over the different areas on the board, um, it just wasn't. it, It became too similar from play to play, and I never felt the need to use any of the factions once we had those. Like they just seemed kind of superfluous and not not as handy. Mm-hmm. As they could have been, and it's it's just like I said, but they, for whatever reason, that one day it just kind of was like, holy crap! Like I don't know if we really like this game that much anymore. Well, like I said, I remember sitting there playing, and I'm sitting there, and I'm getting ready to take my turn, and I looked at you, I saw the look on your face, mm-hmm. and I'm like, are you having fun? I was like, because I'm not. I'm really kind of bored with this, and mm-hmm. you're like, me too. You're like, let's just pack it up. Right, and that was the end of that. Yep. And uh, and what we found um, is that the Voyages of Marco Polo is a game that scratches a lot of the same itches, but has a lot more variety and a lot it's more so paths to victory. Fun. Right, and and that one has firmly replaced Alien Frontiers. Well, I, I love it because it's so it's so tight of a game because mm-hmm. you have such limited turns and everything else and it's just like you have to really really you know make every play count oh yeah because it's not there's not a whole lot to do so it's uh so yes that alien frontiers didn't didn't hang out for us um the next one and i think we've talked about this uh fallacy for us before it's our it's the lcg that we have commitment issues yeah it's the lcg that clicked with us most um doomtown reloaded we really enjoyed but as we, we talked about on the show before, issues with LCGs. well, we just because we can't we can't invest the time that you really need to get the most out of those games. That's always been our problem is that we just can't put the time in to play it enough to make it really worth our while. I mean, that's why Netrunner didn't work for us in some regards. Um, well, st- the fact that I just didn't like it. That too. <laughs> um, Star Wars, neither of us liked. Of course, you think I might like it better now. I think you but. would. I think now that you're a more experienced gamer, you'd enjoy it more. Um, but yeah, Doomtown Reloaded, we we loved the theme. We loved the mechanics. We loved the way the game played. I love that you had dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was fun. Like I, I loved how 
combat work in the game. You play, you know, you're playing draw poker for for to win combats. That was yep. really unique, excellent, and also and also factored into your deck building, mm-hmm. the suits of the cards and the, and the values and stuff like that. But and the cheating hands, yeah, you could cheat, that. yeah, you cheat cards. <laughs> but yeah, it just didn't. Uh, it just didn't. Just didn't do it for us because we just couldn't put the time in. And unfortunately, um, you don't know this, but I've I found out the other day that apparently AEG actually has discontinued it. They're not going to be putting out any more new expansions. Yeah. For it, I guess the sales just haven't been just right. haven't been there on it. So, which stinks. Well, um, maybe that's why Barnes and Noble had it on clearance. Uh, most likely, very much, very most likely. So yeah, Doomtown Reloaded. That was one that uh just we just couldn't play. Yeah. Couldn't play enough. Um, next on the list was one that. We really, really liked when we first got it. Everything mm. was very cool. It was very unique. Um, and that was Kemet. And we played Dudes it. Dudes on a map. Yeah, dudes <laughs> on a map. Dudes on a map. But it was cool. But I the, I love... There's so many things about Kemet that I like. Um, It's got the unique combat system mm-hmm. where you you know you play the hidden cards right. and to add to the armies that are on the field. Um, the special powers, the, the complete smorgasbord of of special powers that you can, you can purchase the, you can get the uh what's it called the the extra oh my god like the snake and all that stuff yeah the, like the, the the um the um animal yes things. the yeah. animal thingamajiggers right and that yeah. and they were really cool and and the little miniatures were awesome for yep. them but uh but yeah this one just didn't um for whatever reason and we enjoyed the game but it we just never felt compelled to keep playing it um, and I don't know what it was about it that did that because they even shortened the board for two players. Like it's not like that we yeah, were playing. But I like, still big, felt like bad. the board was too big for two players. I think in part it might have been. Um, and instead we got blood rage. We did well once. Once we got blood rage, and we could do have a similar experience. But blood rage just moves so much. It flows better, mm-hmm. I think, than Kemet does. Plus, it's easily teachable, as we found out, because we mm-hmm. taught it to two of our non-gamer friends, mm-hmm. and they picked it up like that. So, and Kemet would definitely not be. They would probably took one look at that and say, "Nope, nope." Well, I mean, because all in Kemet, all those powers are. Oh yeah. Are, like when you have carte blanche and you can pick whatever you want, it's kind of hard to know but where yeah, to go. Yeah, blood rage. They just do it better. It's just, like I said, it just it's... felt more focused, and and I'm actually really looking forward to Scythe, um, because that one, Jamie Stegmeier said that he actually borrowed a lot of stuff from Kemet. This is all I've been hearing about for almost a week now. Oh, honey, it's here. It's coming. It's coming. It should be here this week, and we're off. And oh my God, it's coming. Oh, I, I don't. Christ. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's because of the continued hype that's been around the game. Or just because the game itself is or really the interesting. Fact that we saw it at Unpub and it looked really well, that pretty. Too. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited for Scythe uh, more than more so than I am about most uh, most upcoming games. And I, and I have a feeling that that'll also um, fit that void a little bit better yeah. than Kemet did. I'm sure as well because again because the in in Scythe the combat is of a similar ilk where. You have the do you have the people on the map right, mm-hmm. and then you have this a uh, you have a number of power it's, it's a power is a resource in the game, and you secretly each spend so is it like a certain amount with the power pool. So huh? Like Terra Mystica with the power pool? No, 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 like power, like power, like you have like ten power, and it's like a, it's one of your resources that oh, you use okay. specifically for combat, and you each have like this, this dial, right? Mm-hmm. And you secretly, you each secretly choose how much power you're willing to spend in the fight, and then you also have these combat cards that you can add in to boost your power as like a one shot as well. Gotcha. So it's it's so again, it's like Kevin in that respect. Um, 
but I think it will be it'll work a little bit better with two players because of the way the the board is also set up. It, it encourages you to get in each other's face right away if you need to. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, Pagoda was another game that when we got it, we were really enthralled with. Um, this is a two player. Uh, what would you call this? Like a set collection game? A pagoda? Oh my game? god! Did someone grab you by the no. cojones? Uh, <laughs> it's like set collection. It's like tower building. I don't know how you classify it, but you're building these Japanese pagodas. It's um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to call it. Well, but when you play, when you're playing cards, you get to build these pillars, and then once you've built, uh, you know, four pillars, you can lay a floor. On top of it, every time you do stuff, you're scoring points. And I remember the first, uh, the first like two or three times we played, we really, really enjoyed it. And then our enjoyment just kind of lessened. It's like we kind of played it out after a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, what are, what were your thoughts on Pagoda? Because I know you liked it a lot when we first got. I it. did. I liked it because it was different. You know, you're trying to build your pagodas and mm. you got points for this you know it was just it was fun it was different um and then like you said i felt like okay i've had enough of this i've you know i've played my my need mm-hmm. i guess it just you know yeah and well, I think at- the last time we played it i just was kind of just going through the motions well i think part Didn't of that really too is fun. um is I think we started getting a lot of two-player specific games that were a lot more engaging. Well, maybe that's um, it too. I think right around that time we had gotten like, Akrotiri, mm-hmm. which which has been a really impressive game for us. Um, uh, Pinata I think was also acquired around that time as oh, well. Pinata, yeah, which we was a really good, I love really good one too. Um, so yeah, Pagoda just didn't hold up. Uh, Steam Park was one that I really wanted to enjoy. And really wanted to like, and we did like it the first couple plays. I don't think this one is just a good two player game. No, I think I think this one just didn't didn't hold up like the race to to set your dice for the round. Basically, mm-hmm. when you're only competing with one other person, wasn't yeah. nearly as much fun. Um, too easy to get the different rides that you wanted. Yeah, in Steam Park with two players, I think I think this is a, tra- a classic case of just not not a very good two-player experience which is a bummer because i really enjoyed all of the aesthetics oh yeah it of was Steam very Park. cool and i love that you acquire dirt mm-hmm. you know and then you have to clean up your dirt and this that and the other and yeah it was it was cool but mm-hmm. it just kind of lacked yeah yeah lacked the longevity yes um, next on the list was one I was actually excited when we first got this was Machi Koro because mm-hmm. I thought it was like all the art it was super cute you know it was fun and then we got Valeria Card Kingdoms and Machi Koro just went yes yeah. yeah Valeria well, Card Kingdoms is so much better well for me I was actually out on Machi Koro um, before we even got Valeria Card Kingdoms like we didn't really play it much even no. before we got it um, and just for me, Machi Koro was too solvable. Um, like there was a, like the, the cheese factory, <clears throat> like the ranch oh, and cheese yeah. factory strategy was ridiculously good, um, in that base game. And then, you know, people, you know, folks said, oh, if you get the Harbor expansion, it, it helps fix a lot of that. But uh, I've said on the show before, I hate buying an expansion to fix issues with the base game. 
when the base game can't hold up by itself. And that was the biggest problem there. And and that was the that was the issue that I had with this that whenever you played Machi Cora, like you immediately had to go after all the ranches because if, if you let one person get all of those, they were gonna win the game. Like there was no doubt about it. Just the way it was gonna go. And then just the variety, um the the gratification that you get from Valeria Card Kingdoms. Because the one good thing about Valeria Card Kingdoms is that even if you roll poorly and you don't get a roll that activates any of your cards, you still get something. Like, it still progresses the game forward. Whereas in Machi Kuro, uh, you can definitely have some turns where you are just not doing much of anything, basically. And that's not really fun. Mm-mm. So, yeah, Machi Kuro, we, we liked it the first couple times we played, and we hung on to it. We figured on on having it as a game that would be a good, like, gateway game and stuff like that. And then, like I said, once once Flurry Card Kingdoms came around, Machi Kuro was, uh, was Dunsky after yeah, that. Yeah, after the, uh, you know, the wonderful blizzard of 2016 that buried us under all that snow, and we played a couple games of Larry Card Kingdoms. That mm. was it. That was all she wrote. Yep. Uh, last on our list here is Tokaido, so, which I didn't want this game to begin with, but you got it, and we played it, and it was okay, but mm-hmm. it was too way too light, I think, for us. Well, I think I think that is the problem that we had, is that there just wasn't enough competition in the game. To to keep even it around when long we term. play with four ple- four people, it wasn't right. Well, and and for you and I especially, like we were like whenever we played, we just we tried to manufacture mm-hmm. the conflict, and it just it just didn't it, the the game it lends itself to not not getting in each other's way as much as possible because usually getting in your opponent's way means sacrificing something that would help you. Mm-hmm. So in a you know three or four player game. That might be more helpful, but in a two-player game where you have a zero-sum outcome, it doesn't really matter. You might as well just help yourself yeah. instead of trying to deny your opponent. Because as soon as you're, because when you deny your opponent what they need, they're going to turn around and deny you what you need, and then you're just going to be kind of a square one all over again. Um, which is and and stinks because I really I like we we've talked about Antoine Bose's games. We did a whole designer episode on him, and we like most of his designs. I love the artwork in the game. I love the I, different... I think we have referred... Didn't we refer to this game as the Lazy River board mm-hmm. game? <laughs> and I liked all the different like set collection aspects that you could do. Mm-hmm. I liked the different um, the different things like you could chase. food and stuff. Right? There was some strategy to the, that as well. And the temple and all that good but, fun stuff. But not enough strategy. Like I just felt like that it was kind of like, yeah, I'll go here and get a little bit of this, and then I'll go here and get a little bit of that, and go here and get a little bit of that. And I get what they're going for. I get the aesthetic. It's supposed to be a relaxing game. It's supposed to be about the journey and stuff like that, but that's not what I'm looking for when I want to sit down I'm and I'm looking play. for something to punch you in the face. Not all the time, but I mean, I, I want something with a little bit more meat on the bones a little bit if more I want strategy. To relax, I'll play a power filler. That's relaxing for me. Well, and I think too the other issue that Takedo has is that there's not like it's not like the board is a random setup. Like you're going to go through the same path every time. And though the card decks are shuffled and they're randomized, they're not. There's not enough variety in them to really it's like, to really uh, keep me coming was, back. What was the other one? Oh, what was the game that we played? In one playthrough, and we said no, we're going to get rid of this because that it just kind of. Was mm. it copycat? Yes. Yes. We, but we, played, but we didn't like that. 
No, but I'm saying, but we had one playthrough and we were just like, oh, we could see yeah, that had, it was going to be the same, similar every time. That, figure this out; it's going to be the same every time. So let's just cut bait now. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yep. Cool. So yeah, that so that's just a, that's those a handful. Those are the ones that like I said that that hurt the most to get rid of. Um, but like I said, sometimes games just kind of run their course with you. And what we need to do is an episode on games that we got rid of and then got back. Well, I don't think we have enough of those to do full episode, but Lord knows we're working on it, or at least I am right now. This man across from me has made me mad on several occasions, getting rid of stuff that I didn't want him to get rid of, saying, oh, I'll check with you first. And then he's like, oh, so I traded such and such. I was like, what happened to checking with me first? Oh, I forgot. It was only Russian Railroads that that happened with, Mm -hmm. and I got it back for you. You also traded away Stone Age. That's got true that too. too. We got that back too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try again. And maybe one of these days we will, we will do that episode. Yeah. I thought about that episode. We need to wait till we get more games back before <laughs> before we do that. Good lord, what else are we going to get back? I kind of want Euphoria back. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I knew it. I, I kind of do. I knew you were going to say I'm that. Just I not, knew it. I just don't want to pay. I don't know why. I just had this feeling you were going to say pay. Euphoria. I just don't want to pay the prices for it. That's all. Oh, but Jesus I kind of want it. I kind of want it back. <sighs> Why did we ever get rid of it? I didn't want to get rid of it. You want it. See, that's the problem. I don't want to get rid of things. He does, and he gets a wild hair up his butt, and yeah. then he gets rid of it, and then he regrets it. <sighs> Obviously, I, could, I, have, I can't fight anything I, you're saying. It's all I true. haven't rubbed off enough on you yet here, so. <laughs> it's all true. It's all true. <laughs> So that that's it for us. Before we go though, um, we we didn't do a Kickstarter segment earlier, though we probably should because holy Moses, are there too many games on Kickstarter right now that are interesting? Um, couple that I did want to mention real quick, but we'll just get into it right now. Wait, wait, wait. Let's do the first before we go into the games on Kickstarter. We backed the. We'll, that's, we'll get to that. That's part. Tables. That's part of it. There's there's two things I want to talk about on the show today. One of them I have not even told you about yet. Just because oh, I haven't mentioned Lordy it. Lord. Um, this Here we is, go. How much is this going to cost me? Uh, eighteen dollars. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not why he hasn't told yeah, me. Yeah, see, <laughs> um, this is this is fugitive. Um, this is a deduction game for two players. Does it have Richard Kimball? It does not have Richard Kimball. <laughs> but what it does have? Does it have the one-armed man? It does not have a one-armed man that I know of. What it does have? I'm sorry. Is, we were watching it the other night. Sorry. It does. Um, it is a two-player game that is asynchronous. One person is the hunter and one person is the prey. Uh, but it is. Des- I want to be Tommy Lee Jones. It is a <laughs> spiritual sequel um, to Burgle Bros. This is another game from Tim Fowers. All right. So it has that same Burgle Bros. art style. Um, is it in the cool little box? Uh, it does come in a briefcase box, which I will show you <gasps> real quick. That's cool. Comes in a briefcase, not the same size box as the other uh, as the other boxes that oh, Tim Fowers' awesome other looking. games have come in. But it's uh, it's a really cool All right, little thing I love there. It. Yes, and like I said, this is two player bluffing. Um, basically, the the fugitive is trying to get to card. What is it? I think it's card so forty one. What was the one we just got rid of? Was it Noir? Yes. So it's kind of like that, but hopefully better. Oh, it's nothing like Noir. It's nothing like Noir. Basically, so I, I haven't. I automatically backed this when it came out. I didn't even look to see how the game played or anything because I didn't care. Um, <laughs> it's Tim Fowers. I, I there hasn't been a game I've played of his that oh, I haven't the two liked. Games that we have. Hey, and and he, he even says. He is that it's based not based on, but like inspired by games like Netrunner, Hello, 
I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna want to play. Oh, Jeebus. Gonna want to play it. Um. So what else we got? I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm doing this in the fly. I didn't plan this segment whatsoever. So I'm kind of I'm kind of flying through this real quick. Um. It's super funded, by the way, too. There's gonna be a lot of cool, a lot of cool stretch goals with this one. Um. There's some how to play videos on the site. Uh, it's basically I know the I know the fugitive players trying to get to I think it's like card 41 or 43. There's there's numerical cards that are numbered um, from one to to 41 and or to one to 43. And you're playing cards and and you have and based on I'm not doing a very good job describing this at all. Check it out the Kickstarter page. It'll be it'll be in the show notes. Um, but it looks You're like too a really excited. solid That's the problem. Right. It looks like a solid well, it's also because I didn't prepare this at all. I should have done that first. Um it looks like a solid two player deduction game. Uh that's fugitive from Tim Fowers. It's got about two weeks left as we're recording this. Um the other thing that M was about to bring up is we've been we we've casually talked about the idea of purchasing a board game table at some point. Um very much a luxury item. But the way we look at it, it's something that we would get constant use out of all the time. Uh, but they're very expensive. I mean, the one, like, when I customized one myself on BoardGameTables.com, uh, the one that had all the features that I really wanted in it, uh, I think came up to, like, 2500 $2, That's before shipping. Um, so just not something that, we're, that we were prepared to do right then. Well, then, Chad Deshaun, who owns BoardGameTables.com, Went ahead on Kickstarter and put up uh, the Duchess. And what the Duchess is, it is a board game table uh, that is far fewer options for customization. Um, But because it's more limited in what you can do with it, since they can mass produce it, and since it's mass produced, that brings the cost considerably down. So I'm only bringing it up to mention that if, if anyone out there is looking was thinking about getting a board game table, um, but was turned off by the price. You may want to check this Kickstarter out. Um, as we're recording, it's got one point. Uh, wow, sorry, eighteen days left uh, in the Kickstarter. Um, the ba- the base table, just the table by itself, uh, is five hundred bucks. Um, if you want to get cup holders, four cup holders on that table, you add sixty bucks. If you want to get a table topper, um, that's seven forty. And that adds a topper that you can make it use it as a dining room table when you're not playing games. And then lastly, um, the the biggest one they have that has the topper and the cup holders uh, is eight hundred dollars, which is what we're getting. Which is what yeah, which is what we're going in for. So check it out. Um, again, already super funded. He's raised one point one million dollars so far, um, and he seems like uh, and and he said this whole time that like they planned on. A high volume of tables, so he doesn't think that uh, that the that the volume is going to delay the campaign much. Uh, estimate delivery is supposed to be February of next year. Right um, in time for my birthday, right? And the only reason that I would advocate this is because BoardGameTables.com has been around for a couple of years. Um, they make a really quality table, so I would expect the table to not, you know, obviously a mass produced table is not going to be up to the same quality as a handcrafted one, but I trust the manufacturer that's coming from, cause we're, we're buying the site unseen, um, which is, you know, kind of a risk. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money to throw at something that's not, you know, that you haven't put your hands on stuff like that, but I'm, I'm trusting the, uh, the reputation of, of Chad and, uh, and hoping that we get a pretty good product 
uh, next February when that comes around. So, uh, so take a look at that if you can. Again, I'll put the link in the show notes. You can check that out as well and, and see if it's something you'd be interested in doing. Uh, but that's it for us. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna close it out here um, for this episode. Uh, again, don't forget you can find us online: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, make sure to check out the guild again, BG guild number two, six, two, three, subscribe to the show if you can. And, uh, lastly, we are an affiliate of the Nerpocalypse or sorry, the TNP studios network. Uh, check out all the other great shows on there, including the Nerpocalypse, dense pixels, black on black cinema and mouthful of toast. And we'd also appreciate if you go to the nerpocalypse.com slash premium, uh, check out the premium membership for just five bucks a month or $50 a year. That gets you access as well to the airing of grievances. Look forward the men with the golden tongues and no time to bleed oh geez what are they doing on no time to bleed uh what did they just do they just did heart target and i think the next movie that we have planned is what was it oh my god i'm drawing a blank i know oh street fighter i think street fighter is oh, the next god, one are you on that one uh-huh. <laughs> yeah i i when i when i was told that street fighter was probably the next one coming up i was like of there's course. there's no way that you can record that episode and not have me on it because that would be a gra- it would be a grave movies ever made. It would be a grave injustice. One of the most ridiculous movies ever made. And uh, also, premium members, keep your eyes peeled. I know that uh, myself and Micah are recording uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service oh, for the oh. Men with the Golden Tongues. I feel bad for you tomorrow. For having to watch that. Uh, I don't. It's uh. Well, you you have to listen to it in the show. But I was um. I live with you. I don't have to listen to crap. It has uh. <laughs> it has got like a fine wine has gotten better. With subsequent viewings. Well, the one time that I had to watch it, it just was too long. Like, it, you know how most of them, they're a certain length, well, but I'm you don't, not... it doesn't feel like it's that long. This one kind of just drags on, like, oh my God, I'm going to stab my eyes out in a minute. I'm not giving away the cow for free, though. So I'm you guys, you have to tune in I'm just saying. and check it out. So, uh, so yeah, that's it for us. Uh, thank you very giving much for listening. The cow, it's giving away the milk. No, I'll give away one bottle of milk, just not the whole, just not the whole cow. It works. The analogy works. It's fine. It's good. Oh my god! Never mind. I'm not going. Oh, there. and also, and and if you, um, I almost forgot to mention, if you're into video games, if you like video games, check out our re- most recent episode of Dense Pixels, uh, which is was our E3 special, big three hour long podcast talking about everything, uh, our impressions from things that uh. That we that saw from I had to wait to have dinner for a very, very long time. I did warn you, though. So fair enough. So that's that's enough shameless self promotion. Yes. Um, again, thanks for hanging in. Right, we'll see you guys next episode. See ya. Bye.